Do you want bonus audio? I think what we've done all day, by the way, guys, is yes and, yes and, yes and, and now we're just, why? <laughs> a cow's life begins, like many of us, as an egg. <clears throat> Squeezed out seemingly at random by the gentle grazer, the cow seems unbothered by its brown offspring. I, I had the murder wall, I was trying to figure it out, on my kitchen wall, with names, post-its, string, and the log. Is that brother prick? I don't know how to do things with my mind. You've got to find a way to do this. I know it's inside you. You're a silver bow. Come give it to me, buddy boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, okay. And as he approaches um, me, I'd like to twist his nipples. I can tell you for definite exactly where the inspiration for Nancy's came from. Go on. Careful, just swallow it all. <laughs> like a good and, boy. And if, he, if he does get so sliced much. by the glass, he'll just try and start it, start out. it out. Like, yeah. Well, join the Royal Britannia Patreon. Available now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To Roll Britannia Parlay. I'm Tom and I play a character called Keth Brostein in Roll Britannia. In this series, I'm going to be talking to other podcasters, celebrities, and members of the TTRPG community with help along the way from my crewmates from Roll Britannia. Each episode, I'll have a special guest who plays the game, talks about the game, makes movies about the game, or has even helped to shape Dungeons and Dragons into what we know today. So this episode is all about a very special person indeed. They're a builder of worlds, a creator of fantastically popular game conventions, a veteran of the US Army and a devoted family man. Not only that, but he was literally there at the inception of Dungeons & Dragons back in 1974. He is 
of course, the legendary Luke Gygax. So, joining me now from Royal Britannia is James, the Dungeon Master. Hey! Alex, who plays Derek Normalbeard, the Dwarf. Hello there. Chip, who plays Jeff Silverbow, the Human. That sounds like my introduction. <laughs> and Paul, who plays Malrus, or Milo, the Halfling. Shh, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> How are we all doing, chaps? Hiya, Tom. Yes, not yeah, bad. Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Pretty tired, but um, the I'm excited to kind of dissect this interview a little bit, have a bit of a chat about it. Um, there's some really cool uh, topics that we discuss. So yeah, I got to actually be there. It was great. I know. I'm jealous. Very <laughs> jealous. He seems like a fascinating guy, and he was really lovely when we um, played with him at UKGA. Mm. Yeah, I think I think the term I would use is he was very tolerant of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he yeah. did seem to. Yeah, you, you definitely put him through his paces, didn't you? <laughs> well, hey, I did. London. I did the thing that I do when London. when well, like when you let me play in your game, mm-hmm. uh, Chip, as the dungeon master is, um, as the eternal DM. I very much caused mayhem. Oh yeah, lots of mayhem. Yeah, I, I, I hope yeah, that you, you successfully brought out a multitude of big beasts that would uh, cause most people to be petrified. No, but there was a large fireball in a very yeah. small space. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, you, did a ma- you did a malrus. <laughs> oh, and I did. Ter- I did turn myself into an owl as well. Well, not quite, but yeah. yeah. You did. That, a that was that was one of my favourite moments. Yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the way you dropped in that. Was absolutely out of nowhere. <laughs> Luke's there playing a character is uh, and and name drops someone no one's ever heard of. There's this slight pause of an awkward moment where everyone in the room goes, "Have we heard of him?" And me, being an owl in the room, just out of out of out of nowhere in the back of the room, just oh, quality. <laughs> yeah, he is a real good sport. It made him laugh a lot as well. Um, yeah, mm. yeah, and he was great. So I think we should probably give some background of how we came to kind of play Dungeons and Dragons with the mighty Luke Gygax, shouldn't we? Yes, tell me all about that. So who actually played the game? Uh, I did. And me. I also did. And he killed me. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, did, did. he did kill you. <laughs> so yeah. how did this I would. About? I could have killed you sooner, to yeah, be fair. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I was, re- I was refraining <laughs> from hitting you with a second fireball. <laughs> he, uh... He killed me about five minutes before the session ended, so that that was nice timing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so we were obviously at UKGE. If you've seen um, some of our Patreon stuff, or you've seen the live show that we did um, for the actual event, uh, if not, if, go and check them out. Very very funny shows. I think they're about an hour um, of recording. But yeah, so we we had a booth at UK Games Expo, and as part of it. Um, I think James and Paul very sneakily entered a competition to play D&D with Luke Gygax, and we ended up winning three seats. We did, yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really sneaky. They they posted it on Instagram and said, hey, <laughs> and, enter here if you'd like to play a game with Luke Gygax. And Paul and I both went, well, yeah, that sounds great. We'd love to. So we, we entered with um, both our accounts. Um, well, I think your personal, we entered with the Robert Tanner account, my personal account, your personal account, yep. and our TikTok account as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did, yeah. Uh, so we yeah. entered four times and won three seats. <laughs> yes, we did, yeah. That's a win. That's an absolute win. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, it's a very, <laughs> very good success rate. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. Very the fourth impressive. seat was Luke, so it was just you, Paul. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, we actually, it was really nice. We actually had some um, some other attendees there. I think there was probably seven of us, six of us playing total. Um, Something like that, yeah. yeah. And uh, we had some other um, attendees there who then we just really got along with and they came back to our stand and they sort of, you know, we just had a great time. He's a really good DM and you can really tell that like, He's very patient with it, super relaxed. But when yeah. the session started to wrap up and we needed to kind of start moving through the adventure a little bit more, he really, um, really smoothly kind of chopped and changed and sped through certain things. So that was really nice to see. But so yeah, was this lovely. a classic adventure or a new game? It's actually his game. Yes. Yeah. Which Quite is? Quite literally the Gygax game. And uh, yeah, um, Paul brought me it, bought me a... A copy of it for my birthday. I did. What's it? What's it called? Uh, they're the. Go on. Oh um, no, you were going to say. I'm, okay. I'm just. Like... It's called. Um, it was called the Eye of Shantufi. Um, yeah. and there are um currently two parts. Um, Ooh. I'm not. I think James, you actually have physical copies of them. I can't remember. I do. The yeah. I, I, I mean, I could show you, but this is a podcast, so you can't see them at home anyway. So. Do you, Do you know what the individual titles of the modules are? Oh, it was the Eye of Shantou. Hold on, let me, let me get. I'm going to go get the books. Hold go on. on, go on, run. It's it's terrible oh, audio content. Anywhere. We'll have to just describe the scene. So, <laughs> wow, look at him go! I can't believe he jumped over that bookcase in one go. That was being really impressive. Very by scary. a pack of wolves. Where did they? Go? Oh my god, he left the window open. No, James, you got to don't no don't close the window now. Oh my god, they're mauling uh, him. They're mauling these wolves in here. They've left. They've left by their own cord. That's, oh, okay. that's very handy. Uh, so you've got the uh, as we have here, we have the uh, the eye of uh, of of, of Santufi there. Uh, you see, you. I'm showing you this in the podcast. So Excellent. what I'm going to show you is Excellent audio uh, I content. am describing the most valuable thing you could imagine. <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's gold plated and uh, covered in rubies and gems and signed by Luke Gygax himself. Wow. Yes, mm. that is a treasure. Mm. And we also have. Uh, oh look! Here we are. Here we are. Another. This one's mine. This is this is part two. This is the heart of Shentufi. Oh. We go through the different they... bodily organs. First I don't know what you. the third one's called, but it has been. I think they've they've just done their Kickstarter. They've got enough money. It's going to happen. Um, this one is signed to me. If only he, you'd interviewed him and he told you. <laughs> <laughs> Have some faith. Well, we'll find out, won't we? <laughs> Have so, some faith. Maybe some we'll find time. out. All of that out of the way. It's time to push the play button, and let's hear what James and Luke were chatting all about. As one of the really royalty of Dungeons and Dragons, what is um, you know, tell, tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in that environment. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I had a very special and unique uh, childhood. I don't think I really appreciated it at the time, simply because that my only frame of reference was my family, right? So uh, just as, as I'm sure you felt the way you grew up, fairly normal, then maybe as you, you got older, you realized, oh, wow, well, this was unique to my family. Other people don't do that. Uh, gaming was really central to, uh, you know, my life. Ever since I, you know, since I was a little boy, my earliest memories are uh, hanging out with my dad and friends, and uh, that would include family members, and playing games, whether it was a game, a board game like Dungeon, or some miniatures games, card games, or uh, role-playing games. And of course, uh, role-playing was very popular uh, by the time I was born. I was born in 1970, so I was three years old 
because uh, uh, D&D was released in January of 1974. I, my birthday is November. So I was three years old when D&D was released. So I don't remember much uh, from, from that time frame. But I do remember my first game of D&D. And uh, I think that was 1975 uh, that I played D&D for the first time. <clears throat> yeah, my dad helped me along. I rolled the dice. Uh, but, it was, but it was amazing. And that first character I played was uh, a ranger in what was to become a T1, the village of Hamlet. Uh, and I was hired as a man-at-arms by the group that was playing, which included my older brother. I think it may have included Jim Ward, who was an early player. Uh, Dromage was, was his character, uh, as well as several other early pioneers of, of Dungeons and & Dragons. And, you know, uh, uh, it turns out I was a ranger hired by the, or, or in the employ or associated with the Druid of the Woods to make sure they weren't there to do evil and resurrect, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the moat house area. Uh, and so I ended up uh, joining the group and going through the giant series and descending into the drow. So I play tested all those modules. Uh, and it was just what I did as a kid, you know, uh, I would come home from school and probably much like a lot of other, uh, young gamers, I would sit down in my dad's den and I would open up the monster manual or the DMG. And I'd sort look at the pictures and, you know, uh, you know, think about, oh, if I build a, if I build my you know, if I get enough gold, I can build a, a, a castle, you know, when I hit ninth level and how much money is it going to take and how long is that going to be, and, you know, designing magic items and making up my own monsters. Uh, I would do that uh, waiting for my dad to finish up kind of writing. And then I'd ask him, hey, what are you writing? And, and you know, try to read his stuff or ask him questions about about things. And, and that's how we cooked up spells and monsters a lot of times uh, was just, just doing that. So um, I would say my childhood differed in a sense that I was pretty close to my father, uh, and I enjoyed his pastime, which was also his, his, his hobby. You know, his hobby was his job. Uh, so we shared that. And he, you know, just through almost through osmosis or just by being there, I participated in the creative process much more so as a young person um, than, maybe, than maybe others did. Um, however, I found, really, I, I found that other folks uh, may not have done that with their dad. But their gaming group, they did many of the similar kind of things. Hey, they would look through the the books together. They'd come up with monsters and magic items, and, and and they were just as excited and passionate about it as I was. So I think that's universal. My dad just had, you know, my home game happened to be canon uh, for D anD. d So so that was pretty special. Wow. So you see, you know, you you've been there from right from you know almost the the, the conception of it basically, and you know you must have seen quite a lot of changes. Um, throughout the years, so all the different editions of it and the changes of, you know, the, the culture around it all and the, the public perception of everything. You know, what, what's your experience of how it's changed over the years? Oh, it's it's been a massive change. If you think about it, um, you know, when I was in middle school or high school in the mid and uh, late 80s, you didn't really tell a lot of people that you were a gamer. That wasn't cool. You know, especially if you were trying to, as a young man, if you're trying to, you know, get a date with the, one of the girls, they generally, you know, I'm sure there's exceptions, but generally it wasn't. It was kind of kind of like the movie Revenge of the Nerds, if you remember that old one. There was the cool kids, and then there was, you know, the dorks or the nerds, and that wasn't a term like you didn't want to be a nerd. Nowadays, people want to be a nerd because, hey, our, uh, you know, economy is tied to intellectual pursuits much more so with internet and that sort of thing so the smart people have been quite successful uh, but that wasn't always the case plus 
besides the coolness factor and the nerd factor, whatever you want to say, there was also people who were afraid that it was from the devil. The satanic panic sounds ridiculous, but it was very real at the time. Um, my dad would get death threats from people who were very serious. They thought he was a servant of evil and that he was, you know, polluting uh, young people's minds and, you know, putting their, their souls in, in, in jeopardy, um, which is which is pretty funny um, because anyone who's played D&D, &D, and I think pretty much worldwide, we I don't think anyone has thinks that D&D &D is from the devil anymore. They that that you know that that ship has sailed so to speak but it was real back then it was real people were very passionate about it and uh it, it was scary uh to get death threats um and it, to have you know sometimes cars would sit outside of our house my mom would get very nervous if we were playing in the yard so um we had uh six foot high cyclone fencing put around our our home we had 20 acres of land in, in wisconsin and uh we had six malamute huskies big kind of dogs that we'd let out at night to run uh the perimeter and we had a very good security system with motion sensors and you know detectors on all the windows and doors and and we locked up every night we're, we're very cautious simply because uh, that's how real the, the the threat was perceived by us um now so we went from from that uh where people didn't understand dnd &D and just by simply looking at the cover and seeing in a freet or something of that nature they assume that it's from you know, the devil, if there's, if there's uh, you know, real world religions in there, right? Um, my dad always said, if I could throw spells, do you think that I would be making a game? He said, no, I'd be, I'd be, you know, ruling the world, right? If I could actually control magic, it's very silly. Uh, but people didn't want to hear that. And then, of course, you know, people kind of kept their their passion for Dungeons and Dragons a little bit under undercover because it wasn't well received. Nowadays, D&D has taken hold of the mainstream. Um, people from all walks of life uh, enjoy Dungeons and Dragons. It's considered cool, even uh, to an extent, to play Dungeons and Dragons, which is which is funny when you when you think about it. Uh, but it is; it's great. And and why is that? It's because uh, it, it teaches you so much. It exercises your imagination. It stimulates you to read, to put yourself in other people's shoes. Uh, it teaches you how to cooperate with others, to solve problems, uh, persuasive speech, uh, leadership skills. All that is being practiced in Dungeons and Dragons, and it really, I think, boosts up uh, the, especially young people who play it. It, it. it reinforces and builds core capabilities that they can use in their life as adults that's going to benefit them, as well as having a great time and forming some strong bonds with friends. So uh, it's a very long answer to a short question, <laughs> but I'm passionate about the positive aspects of role playing, and I'm really proud of, uh, uh, you know, the game my dad uh, created is being used it or has made such a positive impact in people's lives and is even used uh, by therapists and others to to help folks heal uh, from PTSD or or, uh, you know, help uh, special needs uh, kids um, learn to work together. And, and I can't believe you played his first game at four years old. Yeah, yeah he was, he was guy, three when he was born. Yeah, yeah he was only born. a year old, wasn't he? Um, 1975, he played D&D for the first time, is what he said. Um, mm -hmm. Wow. And... Uh, he was a ranger, Tom. A lot of yeah. similarities. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you, you've stepped into the, some big shoes there. Well, absolutely. Not I just because he's a bit of a unit as a guy, you know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, 
I, I knew I was onto something good when I, I made a ranger. And I'm just following <laughs> in Luke's footsteps. Yeah. I quite like um, I just I, I love the fact that he's um he well, he was he was always been so interested in the whole gaming thing. He was saying that um, he would be sort of like creating his own stuff whilst he was like his dad was there working away on creating the actual story stuff, and then he was almost like giddy to right. I've I've been doing stuff. Dad's been working away. Right? Can we play your thing now, please? Can we do your thing? I'm really excited. Yeah. And it was just that you could see in in the interview that the excitement, and you could hear it in his voice that just how much he genuinely loved right from a really really young age this concept of just making interesting things and picking mm. things out of his head and going let's just do something dad and they yeah. had the inspiration with that as a family and a father figure it's just really stuck it with him seems honestly like, it seems like it was a really great sort of bonding experience for them because yeah. um yeah his like you say his eyes sparkled when he was talking about it but he was right back to those moments and the fact that the only real difference which I, I found really interesting is that the only real difference between every other person that plays D&D and Luke Gygax is that he just happened to be one of the first, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and was playing D&D with the guy that was making it up and developing it. And so, like he said, yeah. he was like, and he name dropped some, um, some specifics as well, but he was playtesting like core modules yeah. as a kid that was just him having fun with his family and friends. Um, you know, like I think his... The quote from him that really stuck um, stood out to me uh, mm. was that he was like, "It just so happened that my home game was the canon for yeah. it." <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, but I find yeah. it kind of I find it kind of beautiful that when, although he obviously had to hide the D and D aspect and stuff, and there was kind of a cultural implication to D and D or being a nerd in general, that as it's grown, as it's influenced more people. Um, he and he started hearing about more people. I find it really beautiful that he's found that same love um, outside in the rest of the community as well, that it's like, it's not just him and his dad that were having fun with it. Mm. Everybody ends up doing the same thing and yeah. creating their own core narrative. It just so happens that his are the ones that are published, you know? His yeah. Canon. I mean, we're, I mean, ultimately that's what we're doing as well, to yeah, be fair. Exactly, right? Just imagine being yeah. in that position where your dad was just creating this game yeah. and having there no was... idea what how big of an impact it was going to have as well. Because mm. I mean, at that age, it must just have been, oh, this is a fun thing that my dad does yeah. and it's really nice and we yeah. spend time together. At that age, you'd have no idea what this would... I mean, even even Gary would have had no idea really what this would have turned yeah. into. Mm. No, what he's making. The fact that it's, it's just, it affects so many people. And um, But I have to say, I'm very much uh, in the same in the same sort of camp as um, you know. I'd, I think if I'd have taken up D and D when I was younger, I think I probably would have ended up walking away from it as a teenager as well. You know, and, and of course, you know, you know, there's, there's that whole change, a, right? It's one of those things where I think it is. It's like you say, it's changed so much over the course of the years. So that yeah, if we'd have done this when we were younger, perhaps it, it wouldn't have stuck as much. But equally, I feel like it's one of those games where. Because it has lots of, especially in the fifth edition now, there's lots of similarities between sort of almost real world issues and problems that you can have um, yeah. that kind of link um, to, in a very small way, but you still have enough escapism to sort of get out there uh, and sort of be a sorcerer and do crazy magical mm. stuff, but still then have to worry about, oh, if I jump off this 20 foot thing, that's going to hurt. 
And you can start to go, there are real world implications that you can then, even I think at a young age would have been really helpful. I, I still think about it in, in a way of the mental health help and the escapism that I ended up finding yeah. in performing arts. That um, for me, that idea of going, you know what, today I don't want to be this weak kid at school. I want to be a powerful paladin that's going to slice mm. down this, that and the other, as well as cast spells and be amazing. I genuinely think that it could have, it could have really helped in the the progression, and I'm very fortunate mm. to find performing arts. But mm. this kind of game and the you know the group aspects is very very similar. That's why I love the role playing element of it all. I found it very interesting when he said, um, "I remember seeing in one of the later seasons of Stranger Things how the boys would really be hounded for being mm. the strange kids who played Dungeons and Dragons, and then when Luke mentioned Satanic Panic." You know, people really did think the attitudes back then that it was almost like devil worship. Or yeah, I, it's crazy yeah. to me that that um, again, like historically looking at it, it's not that that mad because if you're looking at the 1970s, mid 70s, especially in America, and then the 80s, you have um, this large wave of like um, uh, Americans joining cult and alternative ways of living and these kinds of things and because people didn't really understand it seemingly and that you know this guy's creating a world and encouraging other people to play it and um get together and and that kind of thing it's very easily lost in translation when people don't give it a chance what i find particularly interesting is this idea of like the uh, the the um clique and sort of jock versus nerd culture in the, around the same period in high school and also mixing that with like devil worship and being like yeah you're just a weak little nerd who worships the devil <laughs> i the find most, that really interesting one of the most powerful sides. beings you can think of yeah exactly you're, right you raises a good point with what his dad says though i mean mm. ultimately it's such a weird concept to think yeah you worship the devil you have magic powers but also, we can beat you up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, Why waste my time doing this if I could be magical? Yeah, well, he yeah. wouldn't. He wouldn't spend his time making a making a game if he could yeah, cast spells. Yeah. yeah, he would, he would rule the world, like Luke says. You know, um, I find, found that fascinating. But his stories, man, from the level to which that went to, um, mm, yeah, and the fact that just because his dad invented a game that's that we all have fun playing now at the time like like he was saying they got death threats and they had to kind of six foot high fences and uh, dogs and stuff it's been scary times one malamute's quite a lot of dog yeah but Mm. six (laughs) (laughs) yeah it must have been terrifying you know um like you said like cars parked outside the house and they couldn't play in the front garden and stuff like that again all because his dad invented a system where you get to roll a dice twice <laughs> if you have some special ability and you might get plus six on your hiding roll and stuff like mm. that. It's like mad, utterly mad. Uh, it's just like reading a book, but yeah. kind of more active. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. it's like it's playing reading a book with mates. A video game. Yeah. It's playing a video game, but but in a power cut. But in a power cut, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, with pen and paper, it's really, really odd. 
But I suppose uh, then they didn't yeah. really have massive amounts of video games as comparisons, no, of course did they? Not. So, you know, you know they see essentially a, a scary looking goat on the front of a book and they go, well, it's got horns. Um, that must be the devil. That must be evil. Hmm. And it, it's just, I think it's a lot of it was just, as I think he sort of went through it. And as we've gained as a, as a species a little bit more sort of thought process throughout things and gone, okay, well, maybe we should think this thing through. It was just mm. a massive misunderstanding over a lot of it. Um, but it is terrifying, like you say, to think that a misunderstanding to that level can turn such a beautiful thing that we look at now and go, that's amazing, to how it came from such terrible roots, essentially. But I think, in a sense, Scary roots. The, the cult classic kind of video game, uh, sorry, um, game aspect of it, and the fact that you have this mystery and and this kind of weird publicity of it being to do with Satan kind of serves to draw more people in a little bit because they're like, well, what's what's yeah. this all about? And then it becomes, you know, it's got a reputation. People actually then have fun with it and it becomes as big as it is. I think we're definitely in like a real golden age of, of D&D. Nerdiness. Ex- acceptance for people that play it and kind of hang out and enjoy it. Because like Luke was saying, you know, it's used by therapists. It um, allows you, especially as a kid, to put yourself in other people's shoes. Um, you know, it's got this idea of agency and stuff like that. And and like you said, Chip, about him growing up with those narrative skills, those c- collaborative storytelling skills, definitely affects you and your growth as a person, which I think was really cool that he kind of talked about. It's nice to see from his indoor yeah. perspective, you know individual perspective i'm glad you brought that up actually because he did luke mentioned just the huge amount of skills that playing the game can really bring you in life you know problem solving figuring things out and making friends and that sort of thing now he's been playing forever Mm. um and we've been playing the majority of us for three or so years apart myself Mm. but have you found that any of those 170 something episodes (laughs) (laughs) have you guys found that some of those extra skills are they does that ring true with yourselves as well as as things improve since playing the game i've learned that you know setting things on fire is it has real world consequences um or oh, good, could have good. Real world consequences. so i've, I've good, yeah. you know stopped lighting as many fires as i used to. um <laughs> but yeah, no it, 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 not reality no, just some it, the biggest thing that i'd learned really through the process of D in all seriousness is to just pay more attention to what's going on around me because I realize so often in game the idea of not rolling a perception check or not just, you know, we just walk in and go, oh, you're presented with a figure. Cool. Well, the world around me is oblivious. I'm just seeing one person and Mm. we'll just roll with it. And that ends up in, you know, terrible circumstances or things that we've got to get out of. And I like to think that I would like to not get kidnapped or put in a prison (laughs) or things like that in real life. So just, you know, when I walk into a room, Try and have a little scout around what's going on. Where am I? Know my surroundings. Um, it's just been something that as we've started playing more and we've started realising we need to do more, I find that I'm doing it more of life. What about you, Paul? What did you take away from that? I think pretty much the same as Chip, really. Um, I try, try and pay attention a little bit more. <laughs> you never know, especially sitting next to the DM as a day job, you never know what he's going to do. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Just roll well on stealth and he won't notice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he rolls exceptionally poorly on stealth, usually. <laughs> this is true. Usually, yeah. 
<laughs> I think the biggest thing that we all have to remember throughout the whole learning process and we all have to apply to real life is that we don't need to murder everyone that confronts us. We can talk to them and reason. I mean, that is, uh, a, that is an important life lesson. Yeah. It yeah. It's, Again, it's we, it shouldn't have taken us this long to learn. We were just to, yeah. That, that's why, <laughs> uh, arguably, there's more of it going on in game for me. <laughs> so it's stress relief. So you're yeah. saying take D&D away from you and you might go on a rampage. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. Okay, you've heard him, ladies well. and gents. The, the, the choice is up to you. You can keep okay. listening to us and keep us going, or Paul's on a rampage. I can see the headlines yeah. in the sun now. Yeah. D&D <laughs> murder spree. Oh, hey, no. Bring Let's not set the game the back. satanic panic thing, you know. <laughs> it does it a natural they, one. They took yeah. it away from me. These kids Arr. are always obsessed with violence. That's why they play so much D&D. <laughs> <laughs> now, with all that in mind, <laughs> away from the murdering and the Satan, just for a second. Can, can I um, just... Um, no. Can I just make no. a very quick, just yeah. say something quickly um, about it what I've the Satan, sort of okay. learned, <laughs> not to Satan, but just just in terms of like what I've sort of learned and how D and D's sort of skill set has influenced me, especially in in terms of having a consistent game, a long running um, campaign with the same group of people, um, but then also visiting other games like either for promo stuff or at the UKGE and kind of telling a collaborative story with people that I've never met before. Um, it's one been really helpful for collaborative filmmaking stuff and, and sort of my day job, but it also has really helped me kind of uh, understand group dynamics and um, almost like read people's tells a little bit poker wise, mm -hmm. where you can see when the dynamic is off or when somebody's worried or, or when, somebody's having a great time or you know do you know what i mean because it's a it is a social game and it's a group storytelling game you really learn to work as a team or um collaborate a lot better with the people around you and i think that that's a really important aspect of it um which is why i i personally like beyond the um the fact that it's cool to be able to teleport and throw fireballs um i really really love that aspect of it and that's what makes me keep coming back it's the escape that I really enjoy about the game. Mm. Just from a personal note for myself, it's the escape away from, I think for all of us, escape away from our normal lives. You can do whatever you like. Um, also, yep. it's helped to, It's it, Luke mentioned it in the interview, actually, that it can be very beneficial, especially I could relate to him as we're both veterans. Mm. Um, it's especially beneficial for people who have uh, struggled in the forces or since coming out or experienced certain events in there. And it takes your mind away to an entirely different place. When you're playing that game for an hour, two, three hours, whatever, you're not thinking about anything else. You're thinking about your character. Mm. And it just re it reignites your imagination. And I think it's really, really beneficial. Um, I think you guys as well, especially away from maybe the humdrum of life, have you found that as well, that it uh, has really helped to... doesn't matter about the mortgage, doesn't matter about... I've got this on and that to do and this is coming to work or like that and he's playing. It's like, it's all right now. I'm just playing my character. Mm. Or, yeah. And the only thing that totally decides agree. is the dice. <laughs> I totally yeah. agree. It doesn't matter. What matters at the moment is like, oh shit, I wish I could cast, you know, fireball, but I'm out of spells. So what's going to do more damage? Is it my dagger? Is it my thing? Or how am I going to get past this guard? You know, um, mm. that escapism is much needed. And especially when we go away for our recording weekends and stuff. You yeah. just sit down. And it was very similar playing with Luke at UKGE. And one of the things that he mentioned about 
playing at Gary Con with people like Vince Vaughn and The Big Show, which I found it's a big name insane. What's going to come Getting up? Yeah, saved by Vince Vaughn. Oh, we'll we'll go through those names in just a moment. In just a moment. I, that's a, that, it's one heck of a list. It's amazing. Yeah. But the fact that, that he was just like, oh, it's just like playing any other D&D game is... Is great because there is that core aspect of it of like, well, I don't have to worry about anything else but the people around this table. And yeah, it's kind of an equalizer yeah. as well. It is. Yeah, it really feels yeah. like it. You know. Actually, it's that that core aspect really that was one of the questions I um I put to him. And um I wanted to get to grips as you know, have a really nice, friendly chat about all sorts of fun things and about his history and about his experience of it. But uh I think it's it's impossible to talk about D and D without talking about some of the controversies that have surrounded it for the last, well, probably really since it's had this massive resurgence, yeah. mm-hmm. um, since lots of people have become more popular and people have sort of taken ownership of it. And one of the mm. things that, you know, I've always said is actually D&D in itself is, is great, but it's D&D is the people that play it. It's yeah. not necessarily the rules. Yeah. As, a, as a part of that, you know, you've got to look at the way D&D was and the way it is now and what's different and, you know, whether D&D still stands up and I had uh, and he was really gracious in actually answering mm. what uh, was quite you know I imagine a relatively difficult question um, from his point of view and um, yeah this is this is what he said D&D appeals to a global community at this point um, and I, I think uh, as time has progressed sensibilities have, have progressed if you go back you know 50 years in time and look at Probably any publication or you know uh, movies and and how how movies were cast and things like that, uh, it wouldn't fit with today, right? Go go watch movies. Even the pacing of movies is very different. So that's just societal change uh, as we progress. So I don't think that's particularly unusual or unexpected. Um, but if you don't have a perspective where you can reflect on it historically and do some analysis then I think you might get excited about these changes. I just think this is how life goes, how culture changes and evolves. And so I don't get overly excited about it. Sometimes if people say like, oh, the guys who wrote and created D&D, they were, they were you know, uh, uh, misogynists or racists or something like that. You know, I understand people who are saying that weren't there. They don't know. And so their perspective is, is, is maybe just uh, from the current time they're in looking at it with today's eye and going back that number of years, of course, there's going to be things that seem off or odd or unusual. However, uh, those were the times and that was kind of the the accepted part. So I I try to be understanding and and realize that's where that comes from. Having been there. Yeah. I can tell you, uh, despite what, how folks want to interpret it and it's okay to interpret it. You know, everyone's it's like literature. You can read a book and you come up with your own decision on what it is. I think they're that they're flawed if they say there's some sort of racism baked into a fantasy game. And I would just caution people: Do you really want to put a whole bunch of real world um, problems into your into your silly pastime, you know, game? Um, you can, you can. I mean, that's and if you're having fun, more power to you. But but I prefer to kind of keep my my bad guys, simple and bad, so I can just like just like stormtroopers. Does anyone feel bad about shooting a stormtrooper in in the Star Wars movie? No, right? We don't hear their their backstory. They're just the bad guys, right? That they're meant to be beat up. So kind of same thing for my goblins or or whatever it may be in in my fantasy games. The core of of the game is 
storytelling, right? We love storytelling. And uh, the difference with role-playing is you get to participate more as opposed to consume a, consume a novel or a movie. Uh, that's great. You may identify with certain characters in there and you, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting, but it's a different experience than being given presented a scenario, you know, a situation. And then through interplay with the people who are also, you know, uh, uh, you know, a persona in the story, as well as, you know, the controller, the game master, the referee, you all, you know, shape that. Sure, the referee has an idea of where it's going, but guess what? You, as the players, can turn turn right where he thinks you're going to go <laughs> left or whatever it is, and they have to be able to adapt to that. Or, uh, you know, I'm not going to resist this thing. I'm going to side with these guys, and or I'm going to, you know, whatever it is, a myriad of changes you can you can go. And so you're cooperatively developing that storyline uh, together, and that's that's way different. And so, yeah, that's that's the core bit of it. And you don't, there's no hard baked in there ingredients that you can't change. You can role play, uh, you know, gosh, fuzzy heroes, right? You can take your little stuffed animals with your kids and, and you can make up uh, a storyline and teach them how to play. Uh, or you can play D&D or science fiction or spies. It doesn't matter. So, uh, yeah, he, he very eloquently, I think, uh, put, um, into perspective, sort of at least how he sees it, and I, you know, um, I was just, I was just kind of interested in your guys' thoughts on it, how D and D's changed, like, um, because obviously he raises a very important point about not um, judging uh, things that are forty years old or whatever at this point by the same standards as we have today, because culture moves on um you know sensibility moves on and like you say D is about the people that play it what i love about it is that it is so modular that you remove those certain things cool it's your game you know mm-hmm. to yeah. me it's 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 not even what he it, when he was saying about the, the the fact that it's it's you know judging something of, of, that was historic for me it's the other point that he made that was that really hit home and i, I think really rings true that it's <laughs> You, why bring those issues that are genuine issues out in the world that are bad and need you know solving but at the moment there is an escape in the world mm. of D&D and that's what we use it for to try and you know free ourselves so do you really want to bring real world hate and real world issues into something that's you know an escape and doesn't have any sense so you know it's not real it doesn't have mm. to have that that but stickiness also importantly if you did want to play that kind of game, have yeah. it. It's yeah. all there for mm-hmm. you. But if you don't, yeah. then you can tailor it to exactly what the people around the table are comfortable with playing, what you're interested in. And yeah, it's 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 fantastic. You know, mm-hmm. they've created a framework yeah. that works really well. And yet, whilst kind of tonality and maybe the the um, what would you call it the the actual kind of um, facade or you know the detail of it may change over time because of different subject matters and stuff like that or personal preference the actual structure remains the same in that it completely mm. allows you to do that it's essentially a ttrpg lego set right yeah, yeah. um you just you know, skin it you in whatever you want. you want exactly right you can build it's, whatever it's you like, want out of it like playing fortnite I'm, isn't it you just put a different skin over it and you go well okay we'll play it like this then yeah 
I, I really like the fact, you know, I, I, and I said this to I said this to Luke. I, I love the fact that this game that has it's been around for fifty years now. You know, you think about what the world was like fifty years ago. Mm. It's it's a totally different place to what it is now. Well, fifty and, years ago, they you know, thought that D and D was the devil's work, literally. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> and you know, and, and I will I will be the first to say that actually I think that public perception, you know, public interest in equality is much better now and mm. there's still a long, a long way to go with a lot of things mm. absolutely but i love the fact that D can still exist as a game and take out these things that were acceptable then and you know rightly or wrongly and I, from a personal preference i think wrongly but mm-hmm. that was how it was then yeah exactly yeah. you know and i don't think you can judge a game now by those standards yeah especially yeah. since it, it's before any, any of it really happened it was already a safe space it had become the the place where the excluded could go to have fun and could go and become part of a community so the idea that there was you know a hatred in it i kind of agree that yeah, it, I, yeah. I don't think it was intentional hatred i really don't no I think it's, it's just it's the way thing no. you know it's like when you're um, you know when your nan uses choice words and that kind of thing it's yeah. it's a generational and like, like he was saying about and it shouldn't be now culture moves absolutely on. No, exactly 100 exactly yeah. It but then, be written as I say, into it the now. Nice thing is, that can come out. Yeah, and it doesn't yeah. have to be in there anymore. It and does, the game totally still does. remains. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the core concept is, strong. is, because the core concept is so simple, like you just get together and you tell a story together, it's great. The structure itself is amazing. And like you say, it does have that scope too. And thankfully, you know, there are examples where they have decided to. Um, it does have that scope to move with the times. And, yeah. Um, you know, and evolve, you know? Yeah. 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 I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What are you saying, Tom? Well. No, oh, Tom, are you here? Hey, well, yeah. <laughs> when did you get here? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You put a quarter in us, just wound us up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Luke. Um... Going back to the very beginning, 50 years ago, since when um, Dungeons & Dragons started, obviously Luke was introduced to it and it was really, really young. And his dad was running it. Now, I've actually mm. been lucky enough to run a game, but I've discovered D&D a bit later. Now, there's another dad in the in the show here. 
Yes. So when do you think, Paul, you're going to start running your games for your little ones? What eight, we, we know Luke set a record. So how old are yours <laughs> going to be when you start playing? Um, I don't know. I think I might wait till Ada's a little bit more older. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very uh, little. That might be helpful. So, yeah. <laughs> so we've got a you know a full party on the go uh, rather than uh, half a party. But um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe when she's like four. Okay, fair enough. Four or five. See see if she see if she can. You know, I'm sure she'll be able to roll a dice then and see what she can. Eli doesn't, you know, he doesn't shut up at the minute, so it's, I'm sure she'll be oh, able to walk away into a story. Well, that'll be yeah. perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, Paul, you were talking about playing D&D with your kids, and I wanted to know what, um, well, if, if Luke Gygax was going to play D&D, well, what character he would play? So I asked him. You've uh, created these uh, amazing books, the Orkrim ones, and uh, we got to play one of the, uh, some of it with you, which was yeah. unbelievable, by the way. I've been telling everyone. Oh, great. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. Um, so I have a couple of questions for you. One is, um, sure. obviously, what's, um, what was your sort of inspiration behind this, and uh, what would be your, um, if you were going to play a character in it, what would your build be for that character if you, if for you? Oh, that's neat. Yeah. So, uh, what was my, my inspiration for it is uh, back in 20... 13 i decided i wanted to write a tournament module for GaryCon, which is a convention i hold in lake Geneva, wisconsin my hometown every year in honor of my father um and uh, it, it kind of grew out of his uh you know very sad event he passed away in march of 2008 and we gathered together after his funeral because there was an outpouring of you know general public where some people just decided they were going to go pay their respects in lake Geneva. So, you know, I threw a little gathering to welcome anyone who wanted to come in and, and you know, just say, uh, you know, show their, uh, pay their respects, uh, so to speak. <clears throat> and of course, uh, that was a great time and people, I found it very cathartic for my family and I. And so it became a yearly event and it grew into a GaryCon, you know, a, a 3,000 person convention in our little town. Uh, so uh, my father really enjoyed working uh, with my brother and I. Uh, to do creative pursuits, right? And so I was in the army. I just retired in 2022, and so I didn't have a lot of time to do that uh, while he was alive. We did um, the Lost City of Gaxmore through Troll Lords in 2000, and my father play tested that, and gave us tips, and it was very enjoyable. So, as an homage to him, I wanted to write an, an, a Dungeons and Dragons tournament module. And so I'd just gotten back from a tour to Iraq in 2011, and some of those concepts. Some of those some of those experiences were were on the top of my mind, as well as, um, as well as uh, writing something that would capture people's attention, their sense of wonderment. Uh, I remember in 2013 we didn't see fifth edition D and D, right? So it was Pathfinder. There was fourth edition that was out there, uh, but in my opinion, you know, it was getting kind of stale to a certain extent. We weren't seeing um, like we see now a whole bunch of people. Uh, uh, reaching into other um you know other uh, other cultures and folklore and mythos to really give fresh takes on monsters and things like that it was pretty much what i was seeing was still our uh, very western european oriented uh and so i thought well why not um dip into the physical environment of iraq i was in iraq the desert it's 130 degrees out there wearing body armor in 130 degrees 
and thinking you're going to run around and do a whole bunch of stuff, not realistic. <laughs> it's very hot and it's hard to do. So I wanted to bring that home uh, to people as well as uh, just have a chance to take even some standard monsters, right? And reskin them or put twists on them, reach into, you know, uh, Arabic or Middle Eastern uh, folklore uh, to pull out some, some creatures. And uh, my excuse for kind of tweaking monsters or reskinning monsters or finding variations of monsters was to make it a little bit uh to mix like a little bit of gamma world in there or teenage mutant turtles after after the bomb i loved that as a kid uh so there was a, a big cataclysm and there was for lack of a better term a magical nuclear war and there was bl the blighted lands are basically in a radiant magically irradiated area and any creatures that go in there get twisted by these forces that are there and come out a little bit differently so that was that's what I was thinking in 2013 when I started writing this and just cranking out uh, a module a year for uh, uh, for the GaryCon tournament. Uh, now, the, the module you played in was <clears throat> written in 2020, and it was written for 5th edition, uh, and that takes place uh, less, there's less environmental challenges in that one that takes place in the main city, uh, so it's more of an urban, urban uh, adventure and has your standard, I would say standard, but it, I tried to write it to, again, as a tournament module, really, but to engage uh, players in a more current style of play, uh, not simply just going dungeon crawl or outdoor adventure. There's more role play. There's a little bit of puzzle solving uh, and interactions there, as well as combat. You know, so I tried to try to balance that out. And I, I totally lost where we were on that one. If you wind me up and put a quarter in me, I will keep talking. So. <laughs> it's, it's, it's already okay interesting, so I don't like on. to just interrupt <laughs> you. But um, I mean, it's a, the, the fa it's fascinating. This story. Oh, what character it. would I play? Yeah, no, let's let, let's yeah. If okay. you were gonna play, if you were gonna play in your own game, um, someone else, uh, even your, even your dad, maybe DM, DMing. If, sure. You know, if you were hypothetically, you know, what yeah. what build would you have? Oh man, character? that's it's tough now because there's so many. They, you know, fifth edition is good, and they've smoothed out a lot of things. So I don't think there's a particular class that's so much better than others. It's really going to be what you like to play. I do like spellcasters. Yeah, spell. I mean, spellcasters are pretty good. Although I do, I do like to get in and mix it up. I, I might have to go with paladin simply because there's a little bit of spellcasting in there, a little bit. Uh, but you get to go and, and tank a bit. And I, I do like to tank. So either either that or classic, just a wizard, right? Either either nice. wizard, full full on wizard, not a warlock, not a sorcerer, not a bar, none of that. Yeah. Either wizard or probably paladin, uh, just because you're tough, got a lot of cool abilities. Nice. I like that. If you had a couple of words for advice, as the uh, experienced dungeon master that you are, and I would guess the uh, the forever DM, <laughs> as as it seems so common. Once you get into it, you get stuck doing it. <laughs> yeah, I I do I do DM a lot more uh, now, but I'm lucky in the sense that I get to uh, play D and D um, mostly on like live live plays. Yeah, which is which is a lot of fun. It is a bit different doing a live play because you're conscious of that audience, and you really have to describe things and be more entertaining right than, than yeah. you would if you're just playing with your friends right you might be a little bit more uh <clears throat> you know you might <laughs> you might just uh be a little bit more goofy or whatever uh <laughs> uh it, or or even be more serious when, when you're doing uh if you're just playing yeah at home right you wouldn't have to be so bombastic 
Yeah. Um, I mean, it's true. We had our first live show at the uh, the UK Games Expo just gone. So yeah. I, I know where you're coming from. It was a very different experience. Um, but for the forever DMs out there, if you had a few words of advice, what would you say? Sure. Well, I guess for new DMs, because I've heard, you know, A, thank you for DMing, right? Because so many people want to play and there's not DMs out there. So for new DMs, don't be afraid. It's okay. Uh, you're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes. Every time I DM, I'm sure I get something wrong. But that's all right. As long as you're consistent and you're, and, uh, you know, you're, you, 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 keep it, you keep it consistent and fair uh, for the players, they're going to go with it. They're, they're not, they're not going to question you. They're going to be thankful that you, that you did that. If you don't know what your style is, it's okay. Again, watch. There's, you know, get on YouTube and watch some, watch some other people DM. Uh, go down to your hobby store and watch someone DM and pick and choose what things people do that you like and then incorporate them and you'll develop your own style. Uh, you'll feel like an imposter at first. Everybody does, uh, whether it's DMing or some other, other activity. Fake it till you make it. That's what they taught me in the army. Fake it till you make it and you'll be all right. Uh, for experienced for experience, uh, DMs, uh, remember what it's like. Remember what excites uh, your players, right? Uh, get to know the players at your table. I know it's a bit harder at um, if you're doing a one shot or a, a, a convention game, but if you if you're going to get a group together, I would encourage you to go ahead and use that term that that, that the people are doing a session zero, right, where you're building your characters. Use that as an opportunity to, <clears throat> oh great, this is your character. You know what do you see them doing, or, or just get some interest of what the person might like. Give them. I'd also su suggest after the session zero, you sit down and think and, and write down what's going on. What does that person want? And think about what's in like an ulterior motivation for them or what's a secondary motivation for them, right? What are they doing that's their own storyline within the group, right? Because it's going to be like a group storyline. If you can give little bits to each person um, and then weave in some of those throughout your main storyline that'll help keep them interested and also might come up with some really neat unexpected uh interplays with the characters right and just give inspiration and they're going to feed they're going to feed you ideas as well so listen to those players uh kind of get that you know prime the pump a little bit and then don't be surprised when they come up with ideas that feed into your story and go oh yeah that's great um yeah. and also be flexible you may have an idea of what this riddle meant or how this is going to be or, or what's going on. And the players in their table discussion make up with a way better idea. It's all right for you just to say, oh, yeah, that's way cooler. Make that little note on the page and pretend <laughs> that that's how it was the whole time. That's okay. You can do it. It's cooperative <laughs> storytelling. All right. Nice. Uh, I'll, I'll take some of those notes if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should too. Yeah, those are good. It's good advice. Um, so if... Uh, for you as a as a DM, um, what's your preference in terms of at your home table? Do you prefer theater of the mind? Do you like uh, little minis, or do you go the full way with the virtual tabletop? What's your choice? I do not use the virtual tabletop, and that's mostly because I'm a bit of a luddite, so it's a challenge for me. I think that that will be a very valuable tool uh, for for most for most people, and I think that players, the majority of players like it so i think it's a skill to, to develop and to use 
and technology is there where it's honestly going to, it's more economical and less hassle to do it virtually. And it's going to look pretty good. Uh, sorry, Stefan, don't, don't, uh, don't beat me up for that. I'm good friends with Stefan Picorni who makes a Dwarven Forge, which is the Cadillac of train. It is gorgeous. And man, and when he does those setups, uh, it is amazing. And, and, you know, people who paint miniatures and have the patience to do that, there's, it's, it's an art form and it's beautiful. So I think that always, that, that has a place and that's cool. Uh, but I think practically for uh, people who are traveling to conventions or uh, maybe don't have unlimited, you know, unlimited resources, you might be able to buy something electronically that'll, that'll fit that need. Me, I tend to use theater of the mind. That's how my dad ran it for the most part. If there's a key encounter where I think it's beneficial to help people visualize and that's important, then I can either sketch it out or, you know, break out. I do have some Dwarf and Forge train and things like that that I could break out and use. Um, but I think part of the dangers to having props on the table like that um, or you know, uh, setting scenery is it can limit you also, right? Maybe you're like, uh, can I jump up? Uh, can I jump up on the table and grab the chandelier and swing across and, and, you know, get past the guys this way that are blocking the scene? Well, if I have it all, you know, laid out, there is no chandelier there. I'm sorry. There's only torches on the wall. There's no chandelier up above. But then I've limited the rule of cool, right? I can't, I can't let them visualize this and, and do it, right? So I, I kind of limit some of the unlimited potential of the game if I have too much described there. Uh, so I think it's a balance. Yeah. Yeah, the, the rule of cool is a, is a massive part of, um, I think, a really, really good game of D&D. And it sounds like, um, you know, you uh, it's it's approved by Luke Geiger, so I'm, yeah. I'm I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, don't let the rules get in the way of having a good good game. Um, cool. I think we're sort of running out of time now, so I was just going to ask you maybe um, if you've got any special memories from um, GaryCon or from your childhood that um, really stand out to you, and of course to let us know um, where we can buy the game and information yeah. about um, how to get tickets and stuff to GaryCon. Oh yeah, absolutely. So if you want to, um, if you want to see what I'm up to, you can go to gaxworks.com. That's my publishing company, G-A-X-X-W-O-R-X.com. Uh, you can order some PDF copies of the modules that we mentioned, the uh, I Shintufi and Heart of Shintufi. We're working on the fate of Shintufi, that Kickstarter closed. Uh, and the third part will be out for that and wrap up that trilogy. Uh, I'll also, I'm also working on some novels in the world of Okrim with my uh, friend, uh, James A. Hunter. Um, accomplished novelist from Shadow Alley Press. So uh, those will be coming out next year. Uh, we're going to write a trilogy. The first one should be out, out next year. I'm very excited about that. Uh, Gary Khan happens in March of every year. Uh, this will be a very special uh, Gary Khan's Gary Khan 16. But why is it special? It's the 50th anniversary of Dungeons and Dragons. And I was just speaking with uh, a marketing, a senior marketing rep at uh, Wizards of the Coast yesterday. She actually stopped by my house uh, and we chatted. And uh, it's going to be the first convention that Wizards goes to in their 50th year. It's going to be GaryCon, and they want to do some really special stuff. Uh, so you can get badges by going to, well, you can't get them now. They're going to go on sale July 29th, but you can, you know, bookmark it, uh, uh, bookmark GaryCon.com, uh, uh, you know, so you can go there uh, July 29th, buy a ticket and uh, buy a badge, uh, get a hotel room and fly from the UK or wherever you're at uh, to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, 
small town in southeastern Wisconsin that you probably would never visit other than the fact that Dungeons and Dragons was written there. And, uh, um, you know, that little place where uh, my the home on 330 Center Street that I grew up in, uh, you know, in the den there where my dad wrote Dungeons and Dragons on an old typewriter uh, uh, has come to, to impact, I, I would argue, hundreds of millions of people uh, and perhaps even billions of people uh, across the globe. He's changed the world um, through the reach of Dungeons and Dragons. It's influenced so many people. Uh, so that's that's where you can you can get a badge for Gary Khan. However, just to kind of highlight how much D and D has changed and how it's gone from a very niche nerdy thing to you know incredibly popular. Uh, I played in a game at Gary Khan uh, uh, this year, and it was just you know it wasn't recorded. It was it was just an off grid game with a friend of mine, Andrew Perry, who runs a really neat campaign beyond barrier peaks so s3 barrier peaks is a neat module and it was basically what if a colony you know a big spaceship crashed in a fantasy world how would people interpret that right so that's what barrier peaks is about so it's got robots and all sorts of cool stuff in there uh but barrier peaks only covers a couple decks of the ship well andrew as a boy talked to my dad at a convention and my dad told, oh, yeah, there's another, like, you know, 73 decks or whatever it is. So as a boy, he just went home and started mapping and creating the other 73 decks. And, uh, and he played that for 30-some years. So it's a really fun campaign. And I got together. I told my friend Joe Manganiello about that. And he brought some of his gaming group with him. And so we played just a fantastic game with, uh, you know, Vince Vaughn, who's an actor, Tom Morello, who's a guitarist for uh, Rage Against the Machine, amongst other other bands. Um you know, Joe, of course, he's uh, loves D&D. He's an actor, writer, director. His brother, Nick, who's producer. Uh, Chris Pranowski, who's just a, a wonderful creative guy. He's the head of Titmouse Studios, which does Vox Machina, as well as many other animated uh, series. And Paul White, also known as The Big Show. He's a, a wrestler for WWE. And my friend James Hunter and I, uh, and Mike Morales, who wrote Fifth Edition, uh, all played this game. And I tell you what, um, sure, those guys, whatever, they're famous or celebrities. We were just playing and, and being nerds, and it was great. And I, I remember I was playing an elven wizard and or magic users first edition. And I we defeated the we defeated the mind flayer, but there was some who was controlling robots, right? He had an like, armband controlling robots. And so I'm like, great, okay, sweet. He's down. Let's rush in this room. There's a time, you know, time is ticking. There's bad stuff that's going to happen behind us. We don't get into this, uh, this ship and and submerge and, and get to where we need to go. So I run, you know, Mike, we go into disorder. I two other people run in the room. I run in the room. Tom Morello's like, oh, there's still some of those metal golems running around. I'm going to grab a boom fruit and throw it in there. So he grabs a plasma grenade and he throws it into the room. That's going to kill. That's going to kill all of us. I'm like, what are you doing, Paul White? Seven foot tall guy, right? He's huge. Most serious gamer you're ever going to see. He's like mean mugging Tom. He's like, what are you doing? Right. And I'm like, I'm thinking I'm done. I've, you know, that's, that's it. My character's dead. What a disappointment. And, and Vince Vaughn's also playing a wizard. And he's like, Hey, I got a wall of force. I'm going to go ahead and shape that. Is it, it, yeah, I can shape that right. To be like a parabola. And like, and so he's, you know, gets up there and they spend 15 minutes with the DM on the screen, on the screen they're using. To, you know where they mapped it out of where he's exactly where he's going to put it at what angle and this sort of stuff and then he makes a die roll he ends up 
saving the three of us who are in the room through the use good great use of wall force. I was like, that was one of many, you know, it, but it was tension. It was it was yeah. story, the teamwork, the tension, and that was great. That was just a good game of D D. The fact that I was playing with a bunch of folks who had some level of, you know, cultural impact or fame or whatever was really secondary to that. What was cool is that we were all there playing in Nerdin' Out and I get to say, uh, you know, Vince Vaughn saved my character by, <laughs> by through great knowledge of a wall force spell, which I didn't expect. So thank you. He was playing Gamelon was his, was his character. So thank you, Gamelon, for saving my saving my ass now. <laughs> thank you, Gamelon. Thank you, Vince Vaughn, as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so one last thing then. Um if uh as as part of the enduring legacy really of D D um and the legacy of your father and everything yep. that has really come from that. your most important sort of lesson that you've learned as a result of being a part of this incredible you know world i mean the thing that stands out to me the most is i i mean i guess i feel really fortunate to be able to help carry forward this legacy um yeah there's a whole story uh for those who don't know you should read you should read on the, the origins of D&D and the origins of my father. There's a book by Michael Whitworth called um, Empire of Imagination. Easy, quick read, but it'll give you the once over. My dad created this game. He was absolutely dest you know, destitute. We were super, so poor. You know, I wore hand-me-down clothes for my my sisters sometimes. You know, it, we didn't have you know didn't have enough food. To eat. My mom gardened and, and canned food so we could eat. But he put everything he had. Uh, actually, borrowed money. His best friend borrowed money. We published this game. And it was not a sure thing by any stretch of the imagination. Unfortunately, his best friend was his business partner. He passed away at 36 years of age, had a heart attack. And uh, he had to take on some other investors. So my dad took out outside investors who hold, held more than 50% of the company. Fast forward a few years, they sold their stock to somebody else who kicked him out of the company. He lost everything. The game Dungeons and Dragons belonged to the company, not him. He didn't protect it personally, right? He started it with his best friend. So... My family has nothing from any of this stuff. I, like I said, I joined the army and sent myself to college and, and all that. Same for the rest of my family. None of us have, have anything there. What I do have, what my father did leave me, is this wonderful legacy uh, of Dungeons and Dragons. And it has helped so many people. I love hearing the stories uh, that people tell. I, you know, I had a learning disability. I, I you know, I, I was struggled. People thought I was you know, they thought I was dumb or, or, you know, whatever it was, right. They, they, they treated me differently because of this. They, they, they didn't have hope. I saw the covers on these books and I saw people playing and having fun. And I, I, I wanted to do that. And so it motivated me to sit down and read and overcome my dyslexia. And I loved it. And now I'm a lawyer or a doctor or whatever it is, uh, or somebody who is painfully shy and just couldn't, you know, they couldn't talk to other people without feeling, you know, they just would stay inside, stay in a shell. But by taking on a heroic persona in a game, they learned and they said, oh, I can apply that to my real life. And it's helped them. They've met their, their spouses, their best friends for, for years. They escaped whatever situation it was and met great people. And, and, and that's the sort of thing that really makes me motivated to want to keep organizing Gary Khan to get out there to be, you know, uh, believe it or not, writing games, not the most lucrative uh of jobs out there i could do other things with my time but this is really cool and i love it and i just feel blessed 
to, to have some small part of that uh, help of carrying that legacy forward. Awesome. Oh, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. And for, as I said, as I said at the beginning, I really appreciate you, um, you know, running that game for us at the UK Games yeah. Expo. It was just mind-blowingly good. Um, really yeah, incredible. I'm, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And, and, and thanks to the organizers of uh, UK Games Expo for having me and my family out there. We had just a wonderful trip. Awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for taking that uh, that selfie in the shirt we gave you. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah. just remind everyone where the, the website's where they can get your uh, get your books and, and everything for us. Yeah, gaxworks.com. G-A-X-X-W-O-R-X. Uh, go there and click in the store. You can you get you a cool t-shirt or or pick up uh, some PDFs of the module. Awesome. And if, if you want to order them, Trick or, Treat, Trick or Treat Studios is my distributor in the United States. I don't have an international distributor as of yet, so I'm still looking for one. Cool. Well, maybe we can help you find one. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. And, um, you know, if if you've ever got time to uh, make a guest appearance on the uh, the game side of the podcast, we'd love to have you on. Um, Maybe you could come on and be a big bad right at the end. Who knows? Oh, yeah. That sounds fun. (laughs) Crush them mercilessly. Yeah, please do. Please do. They deserve it. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Luke. I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. So what was the biggest thing from each of you? What was the biggest thing you guys took away from that interview? What are you going to take on next? What about you, James? What was the biggest thing that stood out from you? I mean, I think Alex has sort of touched on it already. It's really that it's this... D&D is very much not just a fun game to play, but it is both... It's simultaneously a fantastic piece of... um, sort of mental agility almost that's great for your, your your well-being but also a great equalizer of people because no matter what walk of life you're from whether you're you know hollywood a-lister or just some some guy in his bedroom during a covid lockdown um you can play the same game and have the same experience and yeah. i think that leveler of people makes this makes dnd like somewhat like unique you know, even even more so than things like video games, because video games, your experience can be changed by the, the equipment that you have, and you know the, the amount the amount of um, you know funds and time you have available to commit to those sorts of things. Whereas, actually, with D and D, you can play it by yourself. You can play it with a group in online, in person, with minis, with VTTs, with just your theatre of the mind. You don't even have to buy dice. You can literally mm. do it with a pen and paper and an access to the internet. Mm. It it really is that simple, and and I think there are very few things that can be done with such a benefit to not just en- your entertainment but also your mental well being that than than D and D really, and I think mm. that you know Luke really summed that up quite heavily, <laughs> quite well. What about you, Chip? Yeah, he- What's he left you with? So I think James sort of touched on it a little bit with the the whole theatre of the mind. Um, when he mentioned um, in one of his uh, one of the answers about his play preference, um, and that you know he he has dabbled a little bit with the the sort of screens, um, but normally wouldn't go with that. Um, and equally, you know, there are definitely it's a little bit more costly. Um, then there's the obviously yep. the minis option maps and things, but uh, I mean we've had minis and things like that. But the, the idea of it not being theatre of the mind seems a little bit weird to me because all of ours is theatre of the mind and i think to be honest it 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 works almost it's, for me it feels better because 
the, especially since we're very blessed to have D James as a DM who does give fantastical descriptions for all of our different locations uh, and the sort of setup. So it is very easy to sort of put yourself in the position that your characters are in. Um, and I appreciate that not everyone has the sort of the internal vision. And so minis can help, maps can help. I know, I know that every now and again, I quite like to see a map just so I can make sure that what's in my head version is matching up to everyone else's so I don't suddenly go, right, I'm going to go jump off this thing. And everyone's like, what? no, 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 that's much deeper than you thought it was. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> you know, things like that. I think it's just to make sure the details are set. But um, uh, I think that the the concept that he really enjoys the theatre of the mind, and I think that because they wouldn't have had, you know, as much access to, you know, individualised minis like Hero Forge and various other different things that you can go and get places, uh, we put miniatures, all that kind of stuff, um, and get all the other stuff or all the games, um, like the screens, they would have had access to that. So like James said, just pen, paper, a book, and some mates. Mm. That's all you need, and it's all in your head. And you, everyone couldn't, like, like reading a book, everyone who's in that scene will have the same concept, but it all looks slightly different. And it, that's the beauty, is you just get your own little theatre. Love mm. it. like that. How about you, Paul? Mm. What's, uh, what's stuck with you? I think growing up uh, with D&D &D really um, and I quite like to like like I said earlier is, is run run some games with my kids when when they're able to and I think that'll be a really good opportunity for them to develop all of those sorts of skills um, like teamwork thinking your way through things uh, problem solving uh, you know all that, all that sort of stuff I'll be doing this. I'll be doing something very similar as well. Yeah. <laughs> I know, Alex. That was saying someday. You're... Oh, um, no. I uh, again. He's he's a he's a really fascinating guy, and he grew up. He's had a, such an incredibly unique life experience um, that it is no wonder that at the same table when we were playing with him, you can tell that this mm. is a guy that has completely internalised the mechanics of how this world works, and and. It is when he's, uh, you know, similar to when we're playing our game on our show, you're there in the universe. Things make sense yeah. as to why they're happening. And and it does feel cohesive. It does feel natural. Um, and him sort of illuminating on his, his childhood and um, the thought behind his new modules um, and things like Gary Khan and experiences that he'd have, he's had there. Um, really kind of put that into perspective and made me understand sort of why. Uh, again, you can tell he's really, he's grown up with it completely. Um, I think mm. the one thing that stood out to me, again, was that quote, well, there's a couple of things. One was that quote about, it just so happened that because of who he was, his home game got published and became quote unquote canon. Mm. But even in his movie. mind, even in his mind, it he presented it in such a way that it's no different from anybody else's home game and their canon. And that's, again, like James was saying, it's the people that make D&D, &D, it's the community that make D&D. &D. Yeah. Um, and that the fact that your home game and what you've decided is the big bad, what you've decided is the relationship between two cities, what you've decided is the way that a good brie works, is how it works. And that is just <laughs> as valid. 
Exactly. It's just, as valid. <laughs> it's just as valid as as the things that are written down. And then the other thing was about the rule of cool and the idea of his advice for um, specific GMs or um, uh, uh, what do you call them, nascent or like new GMs. That um, it's it's an interesting way to use rule of cool to enhance narrative by leaving out certain details of the scene. So here, you know, you describe a fancy ballroom. And he gave the example of a chandelier. And if he had a map that just had torches on it, you couldn't do it. But if somebody said, and you gave them a general description, like, oh, I'd like to grab the nearest chair and smash it over this person's head, that becomes part of the rule of cool. And as a DM and as a group, you can decide suddenly there's a chandelier there. Suddenly there's a new chair there. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, as long as that happens a lot. Great. Yeah. (laughs) Suddenly there's a new captain there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. There's a new captain in the cupboard, you know? That um, cupboard wouldn't have been on the map. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. No there are many things in our game that wouldn't have existed without you four. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. And that's the beauty so, of it. It's great. It's the it's, great. it's the it's the group storytelling he was on about, isn't it? The fact that you are. Yeah. 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 There's one and um, one moment that stood out for me. I actually just remembered it that we that happened in our game that we played with him. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember um, when he when we met the librarian. Yeah. And all of a sudden he hopped up from the table. And started to sort of like act like an old librarian. Yeah, yeah. He really did. And it, that he? that, that bit it. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. That bit then the was just sort of like yeah. it really, really hit me. I was like, God, I could just imagine him sitting at his own table and his dad doing that. Yeah. yeah. And that that moment for me yeah. in that game was just quite a special moment. Yeah. Wow. A hundred percent. Trouble yeah. is, I can't do that in a podcast because that's what, this is what yeah. that sounds like. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, I'm, I'm a million miles from the microphone. Yeah. I've got to shout. He's an, like, he's an old here, man, but he's and... very far away. <laughs> he's yeah. an old man, but on the other They're side of the room, in the distance. Yeah, <laughs> um, I like that. That's I'm a, over that's here. Really cool. It was a really nice, <laughs> nice that's spark. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, Go on, Tom. What's your What's your What's your take away? What, what I, take what I took away from that. Uh, I to echo what I said earlier. Um, it's how it's how this game was invented such a long time ago by a dad with his kids has helped so many millions of people in all sorts of different ways. But it's helped everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's whether you are someone who is suffering, uh, or someone who is bored, or someone who is looking for the next adventure, what it is, this game has helped everybody and in mm. such a positive way. Um, and especially, and certainly how I identified with um, some of his, his army days. I'm very jealous because I could have chatted to him for days about, yeah. about army life. But next time we talk to him, we shall. <laughs> it still insights the game as well. It's still, I, yeah. I love the fact that he, he took the, the, the fact that he was in Iraq and came back and was like, no, nah, no one's running yeah. around in 130 degree heat while they've got heavy loaded backpacks and things like that on there has to be something else and then he just goes right let's just change the game and because yeah. he you know and it's like you're saying all of cool that would be for everyone else going no you wouldn't be doing that that doesn't make sense we're not having that in our game but he just goes it's in the game it's in. Yeah. Uh, and but real life does influence everything mm. and well, that's why i would recommend um, checking out his books because uh, damn they're good uh, so obviously you know uh, he's been publishing his own modules yeah, um, he certainly has. They look excellent, um, and I can't wait to play one with you. But he also has, um, you know, he invited us over to GaryCon and 
Um, he he did a little plug there for it, and then what just exactly described is... what Gary Con is. Yeah. yeah, what exactly is Gary Con? Gary Con. Um, well, it's essentially um, a Dungeons and Dragons festival um, about all in all, basically in honor of Luke's dad, Gary Gargax, the creator of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. And uh, it's it's held every year around uh, well, just basically it was it was around the time he died, and uh, they had a bit of a gathering, a bit of a celebration of his life, and that sort of has grown and grown and grown into this massive show of love for Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. And it's not just you know your average Joe that goes; it's kind of like one of these things that everyone who you wouldn't think loves D and D comes out of the woodwork. Yeah. And uh, Alex sort of touched on it briefly earlier, in that it, it's famous names as well and luke mentioned the uh that uh that amazing game of D that he had with and i wrote these down because it was quite a star-studded board of uh game of people at GaryCon, and it's nice to like because obviously they like luke says they weren't just doing that mad celebrity filled game as an actual show or an event or anything like that it they was were just literally just playing D just playing it for fun whilst uh this wonderful D community event celebrating um, Gary Gygax in Wisconsin. And, and, and I would say, the big we would do year. exactly the same thing. Yeah, we totally would. Uh, yeah, yeah Vince, we if would. you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> Vince, you can come and play at our table. It's absolutely yeah, fine. Not but a problem. Frankly, any of you, including yeah. Luke, can come and play at our table all means, anytime. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Um, be incredible. It's going to be quite a big one this year, isn't it? Because it, although it's, uh, he, he mentioned it was number 16, but it's actually... Ne- next it's year. Next year. Oh, yeah, next year, because we've uh-huh. had March already. Um, yes. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, calendars and all. And the tickets are available now. Yeah. The big fifth. Unless you're listening days. to this well into the future. I thought they were in two days' time. Well, it depends yes. when this goes out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it depends when you're listening. They might be yeah. available in two days. They might yeah. be available now. This they might not be available anymore. Time is you will wobbly. be able to buy a ticket. There we time the is wibbly-wobbly, as you at say. At some point, major, ticket will major be available. Point. The major salient point is that I think the one that's upcoming at time of recording is the 50th anniversary of D&D. So yes. as Luke mentioned, there is going to be a lot of official D&D stuff there. They're going to go quite big with it. He didn't really go delve into any specifics, but I expect that we'll know more. Um, once tickets go on sale and that kind of thing. And it seems like a fantastic event. Um, yeah. So if you want to go to Garricon, the tickets will be on sale along with his two tournament modules, the Ayo Shantufi and the Heart of Shantufi at gaxworks.com. As we already heard Luke describe it earlier. And we eagerly await his upcoming novels and, of course, the third part of his Shantufi module series. Well, thank you, chaps, for being here. And thank you ever so much to Luke as well for taking the time to talk to James. And also thank you to you for listening and all of your support as well. So look out for the next episode of Parlay. But if you can't wait to hear more from the crew of Royal Britannia, then you can find us on all good podcatchers out there, Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever, where we have new episodes coming out every single Wednesday, of which there are over 170 now. Is that right, Mm. chaps? Yeah, yep. over 176 yeah. and counting. So there's plenty to listen to. Not only that, but you can check out our Patreon. That's brand new. Have a good look yes, at that. Patreon 2.0. Yes. Exactly. Very exciting. Uh, there's always cheers. new things coming out in the merch store and also drop into our very, very active Discord server. There's lots of great people in there talking all things D&D and Royal Britannia. Uh, all the links are in the episode description. Some crazy writing in that Discord. Honestly, some crazy writing in that Discord. It's goodbye from me. It's 
goodbye from those four. Hey, bye. 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 And thank you very much for listening to Roll Britannia Parlay. Love you, we bye. Hope you enjoyed. I hope you got something valuable Luke, out of can it. we have tickets to Gary Complete? Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Luke. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you want bonus audio? I think what we've done all day, by the way, guys, is yes and, yes and, yes and, and now we're just, why? <laughs> a cow's life begins, like many of us, as an egg. <clears throat> Squeezed out seemingly at random by the gentle grazer, the cow seems unbothered by its brown offspring. I, I had the murder wall, I was trying to figure it out, on my kitchen wall, with names, post-its, string, and the lot. Is that brother prick? I don't know how to do things with my mind. You've got to find a way to do this. I know it's inside you. You're a silver bow. Come give it to me, buddy boy. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. And as he approaches um, me, I'd like to twist his nipples. I can tell you for definite exactly where the inspiration for Nancy's came from. Go on. Keth will just swallow it all. <laughs> like a good and, boy. And if, he, if he does get so sliced by you. the glass, he'll just try and start it, start out. it out. Like. Yeah. Well, join the Royal Britannia Patreon. Available now.